is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, 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 the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast where the Seattle Seahawks have defeated the Tennessee Titans. 20 to 17. The Seahawks are above 500. They've moved to 8 and 7 on the season. And week 16 of the NFL is a massive, massive year for Seattle. A massive year, <laughs> massive week. But it could be a massive year because the Seahawks playoff odds, according to NFL, it was maybe next gen stats. They showed it on red zone. Apparently, their playoff chances increased by 15% today, going from 50%, 50% to 65%. That's because the Seahawks won, but the Minnesota Vikings lost to the Detroit Lions. Their playoff odds plummeted from 53% to 31%. All of this means that the Seahawks now control their own destiny. If they win their last two games of the season and get to the 10-7 and 7 record, they will be guaranteed an NFC playoff spot. And honestly, the Vikings don't look like winning against the Lions the second time that they play them. There's all sorts of stuff which can play out, but... This was a kind of remarkable victory. The Seahawks are the third team since 1970 with four game-winning touchdowns in the final two minutes of regulation or in overtime in the season during the 2004 Jaguars or Jaguars and 2012 Seahawks. And the Seahawks are also the second team in NFL history to have two different quarterbacks, Drew Locke and Geno Smith, throw a game-winning touchdown pass in the final minute of regulation in back-to-back games joining the 1999 Miami Dolphins. Griff, the Seahawks did leave this one late, but they came up good. I mean, overall thoughts on this? Um, my overall thoughts were get into Tennessee, win a dogfight, and get the hell out of there, really. Um, there was a lot to dislike about this game. There was a lot to like. Um, you know, I think, like, culturally it was probably good. Um, you know, like another game of reinforcing, you know, good vibes and grit and, you know, like they're, they think they can, you know, they're in any game, right. Any situation they're, they're Mm -hmm. game for the moment. Um, I do think we have to remember before we kind of unpack the game that they did come in while the Titans were very undermanned. The, the back seven was, was really also undermanned as well for the Seahawks. So I think that's something we need to remember um, and that definitely shows up like where they were poor on defense relates directly to the depth, the weaknesses of the depth. Now you'd like the depth to be better. Sure. Um, but, um, you know, it's, I, I, there is some assurance in that reassurance in that where they played poorly, it was literally where they were missing starters. And like, it's probably just as simple as that. Um, cause I think the scheme on paper is fine enough at least the core stuff is, and it's the lack of supplementary things where I think our main critiques come in of the scheme, but it's like this, the scheme can work if you've got the guys and you don't need exorbitant talent. You just need good enough talent. At least as it relates to run defense, the guys out there weren't good enough. Um, But the pat, like the pass defense was good. And yeah, the Titans don't have a good pass offense. They do have a good play action pass offense though, specifically they're actually top 10. Um, that's with Tannehill or Levis, but particularly with Tannehill and they defended that well. So, and that's with a lot of guys out in the back seven. So, I mean, that's something to be like, okay, good. Yeah. Keep that up. Cause they also had good play action 
pass defense a good pass defense overall last week too so if you want to look at something that is maybe mounting you you, you look there um offensively you know they they normally don't have opening script troubles right so like their first two drives are usually really efficient regardless mm. of what happens in the red zone but I, although they actually do do well in their first drive in the red zone anyway this game wasn't the case so i was like all right it was a little weird a little funky i expect them to get back on track in the second quarter then they didn't and then i thought well okay weird but i still think that you know maybe their body clocks are waking up maybe they just need maybe they just need a kick in the pants here but this isn't good but i don't have any doubt that they that that they can't mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't doubt that they can't um get it together and sure enough they did even better than i would have thought they were lights out in the second half on offense like everything they did worked um three drives 17 points so um yeah which is fantastic and it was like really they i mean yeah they didn't make adjustments even so much as they just got more drives to tap into the rest of their game plan um that still doesn't mean the first half had to be as bad as it was um and you can even nitpick like there's some elements of those drives that did work but then you get bogged down inside the five and then you have you know a screenplay gone wrong etc but i i just i didn't really have the panic other people did and you know had they had they been terrible in the second half that would have been warranted right and i'm not just saying like oh you know i knew all along i'm really not saying that my mindset was just like yeah i would love for them to dominate the titans but on the road they're they're playing a very determined titans team Maddie, you tweeted Ryan Tannehill is probably fighting for his NFL future right now. Yeah. That moment, Vrabel gets his guys going. Um, they 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 were fighting for the soul of their team and their imminent future as well, right? So like, right, and this is kind of the last week for them. Like, I mean, if they'd been six and nine after this week, right, they're not um really going to make the playoffs. There's a very outside chance, but the AFC is very competitive, but. Right. This is kind of the last week to rally around you, Ryan Tannehill. I'm sure, you know, he's been there so long as well. I'm sure he's a popular figure with their offense. I don't know. For sure. So just, so just teams to always going to play tough anyway. Yeah. Exactly. So to sum up like my point there, it was just like after the first quarter, I was like, just get out of this game with a win. No matter how they win or how they lose, it doesn't have any bearing on how they're going to play next week. Just get the win the way the game was going. Um, aside from like metaphysical stuff morale and all that like Mm -hmm. you need the win for the morale how the actual football gets played isn't going to affect how they play the Steelers just get out of the get out of the game with the win that was kind of my my main mindset and they did so yeah I I was concerned this felt to me like a a, just an awful game um now why did it feel like an awful game they couldn't really stop the run in the first half Tennessee seemed to get enough plays via penalty in the second half and like on that crucial drive, which I felt was crucial, Tennessee scored and uh, a touchdown, and, and it just felt nasty. But it, it just felt like a just a bad, bad game where the defense kind of started slow. The offense hadn't really done anything, and we'll talk about that. But just from an overall perspective, while you kind of uh, viewed uh, things kind of glass half full, I maybe stray more to glass half empty when it comes to us two. But I think we're both generally quite positive. But anyway. Um, yeah, it just felt it felt dodgy, but ultimately your 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 um, faith was proved uh, correct. What didn't help also is I was watching this game at a family meal, so every time I glanced over, it yeah. didn't. While talking to uh, grandma about uh, what what does uh what does why is it seven zero? You know, 
Well, our touchdowns were six points. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, man, how are we going to explain football to the uninitiated? Yes, well, very stressed out. That was fun. Anyway, um, <laughs> so there you go. But if you, like, look at the offense in the second half, to your point, Griff, I mean, they had three drives in total, right, which is mm-hmm. kind of crazy. They scored in all three of them, one field goal, two touchdowns. Uh, the time of possession battle, they still managed to lose the Tennessee, 14 minutes, four seconds to 15 minutes, 56 seconds. But Seattle went five of six on third down, an 83% conversion percentage. Uh, they kind of did whatever they really wanted. And that was summed up by that amazing last drive where Geno Smith takes over the, with the football for the Seahawks. And I think part of the reason they didn't dominate the time of possession is because the clock ran out. You know, they had to score in that last drive. I they're kind of ticking along pretty okay. Um, that last drive, Geno Smith marches them down the field. It looks very comfortable. Uh, the big plays, that third and 14 over the middle to uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba rifled in there after some negative plays. And I mean, the negative plays at offense were an issue, weren't they? But they have a, what was it? They They get the ball with three minutes, 21 seconds left. And then possess it for two minutes, 24 seconds, I think, and put together a 14, mm-hmm. 14 play, was it? 53-yard, uh, 75-yard drive, but 22 yards via penalties with six first downs. And then a glorious pass to Colby Parkinson, which is cool, uh, six foot seven tight ends. They said they've been working on that for ages. He'd been waiting on that for ages. He gets matched up on a five foot 11 corner, which sounds great, but... I know. Yeah, I'd be good personal manipulation. Absolutely, yeah. And and Waldron's sneaky good at that. You can it's quite easy to overlook that, but he does get guys pretty easy matchups for them to win. Like, you know, last week we looked at how he uh was getting guys just basically free yardage against the structure the tight uh that Eagles were playing up front. But I, I kind of want to explore this idea of the offense struggling because obviously in the second half they, they kind of got the crap together a bit more, but in the first half, it was rough out there. They only had three points. Uh, I mean, on the day, Geno Smith is sacked um, on three three occasions. Um, the run game overall kind of fairly stagnant. They only had 2.9 yards per carry today. Uh, that does include a Geno carry, though. But, I mean, mm-hmm. 1.6 yards per carry in the first half. Oh, no. That's gone weird. 3.8 yards per carry in the in the first half, and that includes one DJ Dallas uh, tush push, which we can talk about. So it's four yards per carry in the first half, but the second half they kind of got bottled up for... I mean, Walker had 2.9 yards per carry, 12, 26 yards on nine carries. I, I don't know if RBSDM numbers are out yet. They're but it not. just felt to me that the offense... Now, I'd be interested in your thoughts. Are they... Did they know that they had the... Sh- the plays in them to go and win that game down the stretch. They've spoke so much recently about complimentary football and, and you know, if it's a tight game, not forcing the issue too much unless they need to. And with how bad those Titans DBs are, how banged up they were in the secondary, the talent, the Seattle's wide receivers, when they put together a drive like they did, well, in most of the second half, but especially that last drive, it's like, why weren't they going at the DBs more? Now, for whatever reason, and we need the all 22, but it felt like Geno Smith was either holding the ball and sacked or just sacked immediately and or, or pressured immediately. And, and it felt the pass protection had some real issues, particularly in the clear passing downs, along with the self-inflicted errors and, and, and penalties and stuff. Now, if I can bring up how many penalties Seattle had, um, that would be good. 
But so, you know, there might have been the fact that the Titans coverage was doing pretty good and then suddenly the ball starts coming out quicker because the first read is open for, for Gino and he's able to hit it. But, you know, if, why can't they just call those plays earlier? It's such a yeah. stupid play. Well, I, I think part of the whole hurry up mode thing is, and it's like, wow, they move the ball at will and, and hurry up. Why can't they? Or a two minute drill. I mean, Maddie, as you know, like you see different coverages then. There are different, you know, weak spots in the defense. You're sometimes yep. you're sometimes your 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 offense just so happens the skill sets just so happen to match up with that. There are teams that are really good in non hurry up mode and bad in hurry up or bad in two minute drills just because the types of coverages you see and the the even if they have good uh, good skill group, this precise makeup doesn't necessarily lend itself toward it. Uh, a lot of it's, you know, like a, a jigsaw puzzle, right? It just has to fit together. And I think it's just kind of circumstantial, which is a boring answer. Um, but like earlier on, the, the the play call sequencing in the first half with a lot of the second down runs and stuff, I think they're trying to replace quick game with a gun run game. Um, and we talked a little bit about this before we went on air, but they're trying to replace gun quick game with a gun run game. One, because they ran well last week. So it's there's it's fair to have some expectation, like can we get a median gain of three to five yards here with the yeah. occasional explosive? Sure. But then also, I mean, Waldron is, yeah, he's setting up shotgun play action on second downs. Um, he, he does this. Like he, he, it, you can literally look at it. If you put it on a graph, it's sinusoidal. He goes up and down with it. And he's, we're probably going to see a bunch of shotgun play action if they get into the playoffs because they're establishing that tendency. And it's okay if the shotgun runs are eclipsing or matching your shot, what it's replacing. Mm. It's only replacing quick game, which well-executed quick game is not that lucrative. So really, I think my frustration is more that blocking was poor. Yeah. On that point of uh, having actually looked up rbsdm.com, it's very interesting. So the series that... So while Seattle on early rushes, so first and second down rushes, they only had 34th percentile EPA per play, right? The series that they did start with rushes, um, they had an 86%, 86 86.7% series conversion rate, which is Mm. 95th percentile. Yeah, wow. And was that because of third down conversions or? Well... That's what RBSDM doesn't tell you. That's kind of what we need to kind of. Yeah, yeah, but it, but it's it's um yeah, I mean, I, the other thing is some of these are RPOs too. We need to remember, so it's yep. going to be di- dictated. But it by did the feel defense. like first down runs were a big part of this. Yeah, it did. It did. And now I remember. Did we see a lot of under center play action? One or two, like getting lock it uh, in the blind spot of a deep third corner, maybe. Maybe on, on like a I've, deep out comeback thing. That's what I need to. But that has kind of seemed on. to, I mean, it wasn't present last week with Drew Locke. Obviously Gino has the trust, but it was a bit of like, they kind of have it as their way of getting like an easy chunk on like, it, it's like glorified quick game, isn't it? Even though it's not quick, but like it, it's the short area of the field that they're looking to target and then get some yak. Yeah. Um, right. Um, Jeez, Geno Smith, 86th percentile total EPA for play, yet only a 6.4 average depth of target. He, he's shown that he can get it done a lot of different ways. In fact, that's another another reason why I'm kind of bullish on the general 
offensive trajectory, even in spite of the weaknesses, is that when they have done well, they've, at least here, we can say that they've been good all year long on early downs. They've even been better on early downs this year through the whole season than they were last year, even before the regression hit around week 14. Mm. And then not only are they better, but they've done it with like low, low a dot, medium a dot, high a dot. They've shown average depth of target. That is, they've done it with increased quick game usage, increased five step usage. They've done it with low pure drop back and high play action in the inverse. They've been very adaptable in early downs, and it's because that they are adaptable is why they've sustained early down success. Yep. So, like, so much is working here. And now what isn't working is fairly narrow in scope. It just doesn't work to such a detrimental degree that it it nukes a lot of their offense. But, like, so much is working. Um, So it's – yeah, it's confusing. But, like, why can't they do those plays? I mean – uh, they they were playing small ball based pretty much for some of those drives and Waldron's designer small ball stuff usually works the first drive or two. Like it does, like it, it yeah. has all season. So I don't think it really benefits us to like draw sweeping generalizations or, or make sweeping characterizations based off of this game. Like you're on the road. They've just played like shit, honestly, for the first couple drives, you know, 10 a.m. 10 a.m. game. Then they woke up. And they just called some stuff they've called all year long. And look what happens when they were executing. They didn't just do better. They lit the the Titans defense on fire, which is what you're supposed to do to a defense that is undermanned and not that good. Like they did what they were supposed to do in the second half. So I don't know. It's again, my, my, my guiding ethos for this game is like, just get the hell out of Tennessee and go play the Steelers and, you know, finish the season. 10 and seven um, get into the playoffs. So I don't know. Yep. Um, so uh, on the offense, Griff, we, we did have some concern primarily over, well, Viru says with this much offensive talent, there should be a game Seattle just stomped out. When would I see such a game? Viru, welcome. I think that's the first time I've seen your name here. Um, I I really do feel there is a bit of uh, kind of playing softly, softy, and then winning it when they needed to. And and just the second half being much better. I also think, yeah, we need to watch the tape, but the pass protection, and that's not just on the offensive line, but the pass protection seemed to be a big limiting factor early along with the kind of penalties and stuff. Um, and then, you know, things look different on that drive where they don't quite win the the uh, challenge of um, the catch to Jake Bobo, which, I mean... They just didn't have the right camera angle. It could have gone either way. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the other question that we've seen repeatedly is Amy asking what the heck was going on with uh, center Evan Brown's snaps. It was bizarre and luckily abnormal. Hope it's not a trend. And then also jumping way forward in the chats. Be good if you could search the chat, but I know some... Ah, here we go. Jay Smith. Good to see you, Jay. Was Evan... And good to see you, Amy. Was Evan Brown fighting an illness today? His snaps at the end of the game were bad. Actually, Evan Brown's snaps have been like kind of patchy, not just today. They were for Drew Locker a, a number of times against the Eagles. Interesting. So, and I wondered against the Eagles if it's because he's thinking he's thinking so hard about and, and against the 49ers they were. And I want and it was against the 49ers and the Eagles, you wonder why is he scared that he has to go and reach a, a two eye nose? 49ers used a two eye nose that game and it's a hard to block. 
because it's not a guy lined up on top of you. It's not a guy lined up just outside of your shoulder. It's a guy on your guard. So you've got to snap and go. Um, so it's maybe you're rushing the process. I don't know. Only he would know. It'd be a great question to ask him or, you know, Andy Dickerson or even Shane Waldron if he could uh, not be a robot in a press conference. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's not a problem until it is one. They've got away of it so far. I'm sure it's something they're aware of. Uh, yeah. Uh, Brandon saying, offensively, they're feast of famine on drives. You're going to be a three-play drive or 11-play drive, lol. Uh, I don't know if this game was really that, though. They kind of just stalled out before they got into the red zone in the first half, right? Yeah, I mean, the... They had, like, kind of drives. They got first downs. They were. It, it, they weren't. The, the only disaster drive was the one where they're backed up inside their five. Now again, they didn't score on the other ones, but they were kind of doing their usual thing where they move the ball, and then they stall, right? Yeah. Um, so like the, the, their ability to move the ball wasn't really like that that concerning. Like that second drive was just kind of like, you know. I mean, like it is just, crazy that Gino on the game finished with just 158 passing yards and two passing touchdowns against the secondary that bag with those weapons. So that's where yeah. you, you come to the what, what, what you're miss- Right. And w- w- what you're missing is like, even, even though he was incredibly efficient in the aggregate, what you're missing is the, the huge field tilting explosive or two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, it will be fun to go back and watch the tape and see if did they dial up, post cross did they dial up a, a deep go from play action or was it it's always part of their game plan and shotgun um if they get single high you know they alert the go to dk all day long and tyler when it's there and did those just not materialize like sometimes it's like wow they finally you know waldron stopped waiting to use dk or whatever despite him being the most targeted player on the team it's like those looks are dictated by the defense they their whole game plan is predicated on influencing the safety shell and then taking advantage of it. Once you get the look they want, like when DK is hitting those, when they're hitting those go balls to DK. So when the defense is playing single high and you can't always, you know, force to get the looks you want, otherwise you can force the ball and it doesn't work. And then they go, Oh, now he's forcing it to DK again. It's just, unfortunately, like some of this stuff is just like football. You know, um, it's ebbs and flows. And, you know, there's so many packages and formations and sequencing within each of those that you don't always know what's going to hit. And then once you get to the next group of groupings of plays and then it works, it's like, well, why didn't it do that earlier? Well, they didn't know it. The other stuff wouldn't work until they tried it because like on paper, some of it's perfectly sound. The only thing where like I wonder is like when you're, like the only criticism that I personally have, and it's okay to have more. I'm just saying what I had from watching the game, even when they weren't scoring, was the sequencing of those some of those second down runs when it's like considering what happens if you get stuffed and what you're setting up on third down um, protection-wise, how the given how the game is going. And, and again, I'm sure Waldron has his you know meticulous plannings of how he wants to sequence that out. And again, it's probably related to he's setting up second down shotgun play action because they are the best second down shotgun play action team in the league. Um, and they're the best, you know, shotgun play action team period. And like the second best play action overall team period. But um, it's like, I'm thinking like, okay, dude, just like, 
you're trying to win a game here, just revert to if you want little mini gains, mini gains, just revert to quick game. Just run stick again. Um, if you know, or run some snag if if you're trying to that's what you're trying to do. So um that was the only thing I, I had going on. Again, the tape might show, you know, a, a different story in the first half. But, um, yeah. And then also, like, we don't know what the Titans adjusted. And maybe that's what led to things opening up. So, again, like, we just don't know. They seem to have a – I mean, I, I kind of mentioned it in my preview, but they seem to have some pretty good looks for the clear pass situations. They caused some issues with the pass pro. I mean, Gino had an unbelievable third and four conversion where there's like a late twister coming round, and Gino just knows it's coming, but he knows his route's getting open, so he just keeps backing, backing, backing up. And, the one to and, Bobo? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's stuff Jared Goff can't do, even though the throw isn't that far. <laughs> like, that's where Gino's ability to work back to a platform while being moved in the pocket is really good. Mm. Um, it's when he has to throw off platform where his arm talent tanks. But yeah, no, I agree. And and like, yeah, like you said, like honestly, a Hugh, again, once again, as repetitive and boring an answer as it is, a huge percentage of why they didn't score more points in the first half is the protection. The, the protection got better in the second half, but like. Sorry, I've just realized, I think I said, you know, only had 158 passing yards. That's That's excluding penalties. So he had. 227 passing yards, two touchdowns. That sounds a bit more like it, doesn't it? 227. ESPN says 227. Do they include penalty yardage? Oh, maybe I'm just... I'm using the NFL game tracker and I need to be more familiar with it. Why does it say 158? No. I don't know, That must be penalties. Why did it, Maddie? Why don't we know this? We're we're just fraudulent. Anyway, on that topic about being fraudulent, Derek, thank you so much for the donation. If you are on YouTube, the donation function is very simple to use, Super Chat. Uh, if you're on Twitter, then get on YouTube, I guess. <laughs> but thank you for watching. Uh, if that is the Derek that we think it is, Derek, uh, much love. If it's not the Derek sure. that we think it is, Derek, much love. But it would be cool if it was uh, Derek. It is Derek. It's <laughs> our Derek. Derek. He's, he's our Derek, yeah. yeah. Uh, thanks, Derek. Thank you, Derek. Um, Merry Bye. Christmas to you too. Uh, right. Oh, no. I'm getting hate for that comment. They must add, they do add penalty yardage to quarterbacks passing. I don't think do. so. Surely. Don't think so. DPI. It, 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 it uh, reflects in the EPA, but right. I don't think it counts in, the, in yardage totals. If it was, if it did, Carson Palmer with the Cardinals would have led the, would have broken the all-time record. He had gone off. I mean, he already did go off, but he just would have gone further, farther. True. Yeah, so, I mean, Chad, do you have any other questions about the offense? Really, it's a, uh, I mean, we say this all the time, but it is definitely a game for the tape. Um, very nice to see you. Um, Merry Christmas to you and your wife. Um yeah, we, we've got a lot to talk about when it comes to the defense. I'm just going to check that we've covered everything here. It was nice um, that Tyler Lockett is still that dude. I mean, I mean, I think he's been that dude all year, Griff. I just I think he just hasn't been given the right usage. The ball hasn't gone his way for whatever reason. He's been put in the, just poor spots. I, and then the quarterbacks missed him when he's been open. That Drew Lock miss, you know? Yeah, and then uh, some of the other, like not connecting on the deep ball, like, 
again protection is 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 causing yeah. you know disturbed throws and stuff it's it it's just um it's circumstantial like his success rate is sixth in the league of 75 qualifying receivers sixth and that's not the only stat but like that's pretty indicative of a guy that like is still extremely effective and in this game we had 11 tyler targets seven jackson targets six dk targets and it just goes to show that like pick your poison with them like the 11 personnel is really blossoming and it can be any one of them carrying carrying the game if need be like it was dk against the eagles right um yeah and Jackson's getting it done as, you know, the small ball stuff, the the the, the slants, the screens, because they kind of they need that role in the offense. And, and Jackson, that's not the only stuff Jackson can do. It's not like they're pigeonholing him into it. It's more that they need it to alleviate the offensive line. And he can play that role really well. His success rate on all on those things I just mentioned are really high. But then like the the, the most um like that's his workhorse stuff, right? But then like what you equate with a slot receiver. But then what really made him exciting as a draft pick is his ability to win on horizontal breaks at the second level. What did he do on that third and 14? Mm. Uh, like just pure, like go win. Like you're being matched inside leverage. He wrapped over the top of the defender, exploded out of his speed break horizontally. Gino trusted that he would win. He put it on a spot and Jackson just ran right into the path of the ball and made mm. a big play. So, and that, you know, helped set up the, the victory. So yeah, um, he- Griff, he had eight catches, 81 receiving yards today, Tyler. Um, that kind of feels about right. Also, DK Metcalf, not the best start to the game, but he there was that kind of similar vibe to his uh, Eagles performance where he, there was an element of putting the team on his back, wasn't there? He kind of went to work. He made that tough grab on the backside slant that they like throwing. Uh, and defenders draped all over him. Great concentration. Yeah. Yeah, so the one news from this game, which isn't great given what we've just spoke about, but uh, Damian Lewis had to leave the game with a sore knee and this, the team doesn't know the severity on that yet. I mean, the last thing this team needs is their left guard being out. I don't yeah. even know who, who would actually... Uh, who would play left guard? I think Haynes has played left guard before. Yeah, but he's on Yeah, but he's on IR. Oh, that's right. You know, it might be... Uh, it could be Evan Brown. Right, and Brown, then Ozu comes uh, in. Just you just Olu don't need Olu. that. That's really you don't. Not, not that we dislike Olu, but like that's very disruptive, especially at a high communicating position at center. And right. the right guard will continue to be Bradford. Maybe it's Peters. Peters might yeah. feel he might feel really comfortable at left guard because he's primarily been a left side player in his career. Mm. Um, so we've just <laughs> we've been asked by. Um, why have I just lost the comment? So, uh, Vince, Vince, good to see you. For, thoughts on the red zone passing approach. Now, for context, Seattle, when they were inside Tennessee's 20-yard line, went... Duh, duh, duh. Why can't I find it? I literally just had it. Loser. Uh, two and four, so 50% red zone conversion percentage. However, in the first half, they were 0-1, and then in the third quarter, they were 0-1. So they only got hot in the fourth quarter. I mean, it felt like a combination of whatever's the primary not open, then a few were like back of the end zone. Then there was one maybe that, uh, was it Metcalf could have made the catch? And then, yeah, I don't know how 
deep to go into it. They couldn't really uh, run the ball when they needed to. They couldn't didn't get the, much production the, out of that. I think on what worked, the principle was uh, matchups and winning, like one-on-one. Yeah. Like it's, it's not concept. It's, it's which, finding matchups. Which is great when it works, right? It did feel it's iso bully. Which it's great when it works. And, and, you know, on paper, if you're the average fan, right, you know their DBs are trash, so let's throw it to our really good wide receivers one-on-one. Right. Um, like the, the Colby thing, like we mentioned earlier, it's you're using formations to manipulate getting a six, seven guy going up against the five eleven guy. And he made and the he catch. It, and he made the catch. The the one to DK was something that they use quite a bit, like in the medium to high red zone area, like you're running a fade, right? Um, against off coverage. And they just haven't quite been able to connect. But then I think he ran like a sluggo, pretty much a sluggo for a, a slant fade. It's, it's a go route. A sluggo, though, right? He he had an inside jab, and it worked. And and I think they just kind of worked out the kinks on the the location and timing of it. And because DK has lost on that route a few times on his red zone targets, but he's also won. But mm-hmm. he and Gino didn't seem to be on the same page with regard to placement. And I think Gino just finally put it in the right spot there. Also, they they they've they have been on the same page, and DK has won. And he's also just kind of not corralled it in. You know, a couple of times, not like a drop per se, but like a tough catch, well defended, and he just didn't bring it in. This was obviously a great catch because he practically one handed it and it had good location and he ran a good route. So I think that's kind of what they have to rely on. You know, they have to think like we need to score from the 12 to 20 yard range out because we can, yeah. you, you have a long enough field to tap into what your your skill group is best at, and that's winning vertically. Um, earlier when they like when Jackson just couldn't quite get his feet in when Colby just couldn't quite get his feet and in. thank oh, thank goodness Jackson Smith and Jigba appears to be okay after that because I look bad for sure I like those play calls because that you're you, that is long developing stuff and the reason why long developing stuff horizontally developing stuff is good on the short field is because the field is wider than it is long on a short field mm. and you're you're simulating a long field tapping into the strength of your the strength of your receiving core on a short field um, and tight end group. Now, obviously Jackson can win in short, short spaces as well, but then he's not like a go up and get a guy per se, or he doesn't, I mean, he's got, he has hands, but he's not six, three, you know, Brandon Marshall, just bench pressing guys off of him and, and glued to the ball. Right. Um, and they just didn't quite connect, but I think it was good that we saw a return of some of that stuff. And we could see how like the process behind it, because it was very close to working. Um, I think Waldron just needs to keep trying there, but then when it comes to like the just go win stuff, like the the DK touchdown, the Colby touchdown, I think it's just a matter of continuing to rep it and finding those matchups to maximize your chances. This game, obviously, they did. Um, so, and I think I think that outside of that 49ers game, I think their red zone efficiency has improved the last five six games. Um, the 49ers game really tanks it. Both of them do, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, on the on the day they they go, what is it, two for four? But they they ended hot. It just needed a bit better execution, which is such a boring thing to say. I mean, we'll have we'll probably find the concepts uninspiring, but they're trying to give their dudes one on ones to win, and they didn't. Yeah. So, and like um, again, that you know, if they're playing the 49ers, you might be like, hey, we should probably give them a chance, but it's the Titans. 
with right. even more injuries from what that was already pretty bad performance. Mm-hmm. So, uh, why do we see gun run in short yardage red zone situations? Well, that I don't recall much of that, but that's to be a tendency breaker because generally shotgun for Seattle is a clear passing look, especially in sh- like fairly short yardage. Mm-hmm. Wow, thank you so much, Taylor. Taylor Merry Christmas to you I... too. Always appreciate um your support, Taylor. Thank you, Taylor. Merry Christmas. Yep. Um so the Griff, defense. Defense. Now I was very concerned about the defense. Uh Seattle ended up losing the time of possession battle. Uh the Titans had the ball 33 minutes, 51 seconds. Seattle had it 26 minutes. Nine seconds. However, in the first half, the Titans had it uh, 17 minutes, 55 seconds. Seattle, 12 minutes, five seconds. Uh, On the day, and a big part of this was the Titans' run game, on the day, the Titans rushed for 5.2 yards per carry and had 162 net yards rushing. I realize some of that is Tannehill, but like if you just look at Derrick Henry, he was averaging... 4.6 4.6 yards per carry, Tajay Spears, 4.4 yards per carry, and Henry had 88 yards, Spears 40 yards. So it's still pretty bad reading. And if you look at the first half in particular, oh my word, Henry averaged 7.3 yards per carry, 58 yards, and Spears 5.3 yards per carry, 21 yards. Griff, what did you see? Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, just to add to the to the concern, like Henry didn't look that explosive either. No, he was just like... He wasn't even having to get up to speed. He was sticking his foot in the ground and bang, daylight. The the, the explosiveness has kind of gone for him. He's still a skilled, tough runner, but like. If he was explosive, I think he houses one. Maybe two. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that that was bad. I think run defense and, you know, we chatted a little bit about this before we went on. Uh, it, It was primarily edge play making that the B gap and C gap bubble just burst every time. Oh my God, Griff, the Titans had a 97th percentile rushing success rate. That's insanity. And and that's why they sustained drives. Cause again, the, the, the pass defense was fine hmm. with the exception. And coming of- into this game, should uh, they were second in uh, uh, sports info solutions is 10 total points in, in rushing the football. The, the Titans were. Yeah. Oh, so they are a good rushing team? They are a good rushing team. Okay. Despite well, uh, the narrative around Henry. Okay. That's a little reassuring. I guess just because they got destroyed last week against Houston. Um, but but anyway, so all right, that's, that, that makes sense. It didn't feel like now on a couple of those duo runs, Reed and Leo lost a couple of reps, but it didn't feel like it was because like the interior was getting washed. It just felt like the Guys were losing leverage literally on the edge. Mafe a little bit, but not that much. Like Daryl Taylor and Derek Hall were like huge problems. And that and, and also the nickel play stuffing the run was really bad too. They were they were getting reached. They were going inside. I don't know what they were doing. Like Artie did fine last week. I don't know what he was doing this game. Yeah. Um, I th- I think I think it was the the tighter formation screwed him up. Um uh, like, cause their, their, their proximity, the spacing is different, right? Like it's not as clean of a picture, like who's getting cracked and the crack replaces really bad from the, your corner. If it was Devin or Jamal playing nickel, I don't think, I think it's a much different story, honestly. Um, it might mm-hmm. still be bad, but I don't think it's that bad. Um, 
it, it, it made it hard on the second level to fit the run, but like, you know, losing Brooks, it got even worse after that. Um, I just, yeah, so you were negatives, you know, Bobby can't work laterally. He needs everything to stay boxed in. It's harder on him when the edge play is bad, you know, what did you think? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. Let's talk about, so obviously Jordan Brooks leaving the game with a twisted ankle. He'd already been dealing with that. Maybe he's jarred it again. If it's already weak. I mean, that is a huge loss. I think on um, Jumbo asked earlier in the chat saying uh, he thought, I don't want to misquote uh, him, but along the lines of thought Devin Bush looked pretty good. Uh, I, I actually think, but, um, again, based on a broadcast, I think he struggled a bit, but that is with the valuable context of he had been preparing for a big nickel role or game, uh, and then suddenly he's thrust into the weak side backer role, which is slightly different. So. Maybe that's at play, but the run defense, Pete Carroll described it as kind of similar to what you were saying, but for the reasons why, um, saying guys were taking their shots um, and over trying a little bit, taking shots which weren't there. And then in the second half, the adjustment was to just get back to basics. Meanwhile, um, Draymond Jones said how the coaches got on our butts a little bit uh, after the first half. You know, Coach Hurt specifically saying we are playing soft right now. So they clearly were not a fan of what they saw in the first half run defense-wise. I'm sure on the tape it's going to look pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, I don't know at this point how much they can do. I felt like base looked pretty good, but then that opens a whole can of worms. And the kind of cope is that they held the Titans to 17 points on in the entire game and... Uh, in terms of like yards per play, uh, the Titans only managed. Hold on a second. It was about four yards per play, wasn't it? Um, it was 4.5 yards per play, um, which is yeah. crazy because they had only 3.8 yards per pass. So the pass yeah. did good. And the only way that the Titans were able to score that, you know, broken gadget play, like it looks like duo, it bounces out. Trey Brown's in his deep third. The corner is required to come up in that situation if it's a run. It wasn't a run. It's a running back pass and it's a touchdown. Right. You know, like, um, yeah, I they, mean, like they, they kind of called the best stuff. And Agreed. Beyond beyond reconfiguring, like, their core structure and trying to become, like, which, I mean, they can lean into Nickel Bear if they want, and that would make things a little bit easier, but I don't know if they want to – get into that world too much. I think they're trying to, that's not to say the existing structure is bad. I, I think it's what they should be doing. It's just now we're seeing there's just not being enough talent. We might feel way differently if the back seven's at full strength though. Like it wasn't like the, the only, the only starters that were playing that are supposed to be playing were, were Bobby Woolen and, and Di- well, Diggs and, and Love too. Um, but they're, they're, they're missing guys and like Woolen's situation is odd right now. Um, you know, you that, um, well, we, I guess we'll talk about the final drive, but that big hit he made, uh, Pete Carroll called it a career hit. So he's clearly pumped about how, I mean, I guess he views that as kind of rising to the challenge given Woolen's shyness making hits like that. And it obviously forced the receiver to stay in bounds and the clock ran out. Like it was a pretty big hit, but Carroll seemed almost overly effusive in the praise for that, trying to get yeah. that competition going, get Woolen going. Yeah, yeah, invigorate him a little bit. Uh, yeah. 
Um, I don't know beyond like, I mean, they're not going to face a team like the Titans again, conceptually and formationally. So if they did, if they had a do or do over for this game, maybe more fire zones dedicated toward defending the run, run blitzes. Yeah. But what would be the close, I guess, run game wise, Titans have similarities to the Rams similarities, but obviously the Rams have a much more extensive passing game. And you have to defend right. all their gun stuff, you have, whereas you have the Titans don't have that. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, beyond that, like I don't have. I think it's encouraging that they defended the play action really well. Like that is actually like really good. The Titans are good at that. They're five and nine, but there are still things they're good at. That's what they're good at. Dude, the they they were hitting good. and yeah. Yeah, well, the Seahawks are also a good play action defense, so it's good that that strength stood up against a good play action offense. Uh, especially, you know, like, man, like, is uh, well, Ryan Tannehill might be the best, like, play action dig route thrower in the game. Like, as as, as weird of a statement as that is to make, he yeah, might be, it, like, after Stafford, yeah. he might be the best. Yeah, he loves that dig. And, and, and early on, there was, I think it was digs coming from the post, knocking it out. Well, it, might, it wasn't on a dig, though. It was a curl. Oh, it was but, a curl, but, but like same formation, stem. Like you're attacking. It's it's like a they're like complements to one another, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Drift. Tannehill had 4.8 yards av- uh, average depth of the target, fifth percentile. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Just the run D was troubling. But, I mean, Griff, this was a... A, a pretty good game for Quandre Diggs. Felt he played well. Yeah, he he made some plays coming up and filling the run. Now he, there's clearly an emphasis, probably from within himself, to be like, all right, I got to make more hits and stuff. I got to be uh, better at tackling. But the difference we're seeing though is that other guys aren't screwing up, so that the tackles he is making are easier to make. That, he was hitting like all year. Jeff. He's been hitting all year, and the 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 weird spots he's been in has been has been resultant of other players screw ups. That doesn't mean he shouldn't still clean it up, but like, that's not the source issue. 80% of what they pay him to do, he does at an elite level. That's not hyperbole. Like he's extremely good at the main reasons why for their paying him. Um, And the past two weeks, he's really gotten it together in those other areas where people are criticizing him. But again, it's easier to do that when other guys aren't also making mistakes that aren't, that he's not primarily responsible for. So, um, yeah, he, he's he's honestly a really good safety. Um, I keep thinking he's like 32 or 33. He's not. He's only 30 right now, right? About to be 31. He's, I, I would, I would keep, I would try to extend him honestly. Um, keep him around. Like, we're not talking about a dinosaur here. The guy's 30 years old. So, um, the guy can cover he can absolutely cover his tail off. Um, so, and I think Love had a good game too. Uh, I'm not as, I'm not, I don't, I'm not as big on him as other people just because I think that there's a lot of stuff that he hasn't been very good at this year. But like the last two games, he's been good at just about everything. So hopefully that, that continues. Maybe he just needed to, I don't know, settle in. I mean, he was mm. decent in New York, but possibly possibly now um griff one big topic is that the seahawks uh defensive line had six sacks today and eight quarterback hits obviously the context which is very valuable is 
coming into this game. If you look at like uh, Ben Baldwin, where he does a composite ranking of uh, SIS, PFF, and ESPN's grades for uh, offensive line play, the Titans are basically third worst in the league, and their offensive lines really struggled as the seasons progressed too. Um, but Seattle's pass rush did look pretty good at times. I mean, we've talked about uh, the low average depth of target for Tannehill, and you kind of have you know Russian coverage; they go hand in hand. And yeah. I think, especially in that last drive, I thought Clint Hurt, when it comes down to it, when he needs to be able to get the pass rush activated for the situation, he does well. And obviously, the Titans took over in a kind of nightmarish situation. They only had one time out; uh, they were way up against the clock. But they only need a field goal. And the way that they adapted to how Draymond Jones said afterwards that the Titans O-line was uh, doubling on the inside and chipping on the outside, so getting active. But the way Seattle looked like they were sending four, then dropped uh, the extra D-line into coverage sort of late in the down to gain an extra guy back. And then after like they got a stoppage, I think the receiver got out of bounds on the shallow crosser. Seattle then runs the twist with Draymond Jones, something you tweeted about live. Uh, they get a really big time sack, which is followed up by, you know, Rutland's hit to end the game. Griff, the the pass rush in that moment looked impressive. I mean, thoughts yeah. on Jones's sack and then the overall picture? Um, yeah, it does seem like it does seem like Hurt has a four man rush plan dialed up for like do or die situations. And I think his general like meat and potato rush plan is pretty good for his four-man rush. Um, I think he does a really good job of getting guys angles. He clearly made a huge deal of that this past offseason because um, the four-man rush was a problem last year. It's been a problem for a long time. And, yeah, to the point of them getting six sacks, like you're, you are – they are a just north of average ranked pass rush by multiple different sites – subjective grading multiple different pressure um uh, charting companies you take that with what you said about them being like the third worst o-line by ben baldwin's composite rating that's that should add up that should be a matchup you win so sure enough they uh, put pressure on the quarterback all day i also think Tannehill. maybe there's an element of him looking slightly rusty again we need to see all 22 but for sure there seems to be some quick game plays where he just holds the ball. Like maybe yeah, he didn't expect what he was seeing, but like get the ball out or you're going to get sacked. Like I don't know how much that's on the offensive line. It could be quarterback coming back in for a game when he hasn't played in a bit. Right. Speaking of which though, he, uh, arm wise, his arm is fine. <laughs> like Pete Carroll's quarterback factory. We can save him. He, I mean, whoever, if, if there's a team that is a quarterback away and they just want to like show proof of concept to save their job, like, just get like airdrop Ryan Tannehill into it and be like, all right, wait, wait till we get a quarterback of the future. Cause look what we did with 35 year old Ryan Tannehill. He had I mean, two he, carries for 37 yards this game. He can still move too. Like physically yeah. he's intact right now. Um, <laughs> and he hasn't had to play behind that offensive line for most of the year. Instead, Will Levis has got banged up behind it. So, I mean, could you, I mean, not to, I swear to God, this isn't about Russell Wilson, but could you imagine Sean Payton with Ryan Tannehill? Kind of about Russell Wilson. With, with with his arm and, you know, just with a play style that Sean probably prefers and like Sutton. and Griff, he turns 36 in July. Does he really? Yeah. <laughs> his arm is fine, though. Like the everything's working up there. 
in the shoulder region, the torque region. So, so Griff, just to before you know, you're you're going off the deep end here. Uh, before we do that, because I'm willing to take the plunge. Like it's Christmas Eve, it's Christmas Day here. Um, Jaron Reed Griff has seven sacks on the season now. Yeah, um, I don't. You know, as much as he's played brilliant, will they be able to afford him? <laughs> like, Did, didn't they sign him for two years though? Uh, I don't think so. Oh shoot! Oh no! Uh, I, if they I did, swear, well I done. Swear, yeah, it's two it years, nine million. It did. It's two year deal. Wow, that's suddenly looking value. I've never been more owned about a the Jaron Reed holdout. Thirty-two year old holdout is coming. Yeah, man, I've never been more more owed, more owned. Yeah, Aaron Reed boomed me. Um, it's really cool. He has not played nose tackles since 2019, mm. or is it 2020? Which? No, 2020. 2020. Oh, 2019. Yeah. 2019. Yeah, yeah, 2019. Because Monet came in 2020. Oh no, 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 no. no. He, 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 he moved to three technique in 2018. But then yeah. when they went back to Bear, he would he was like the backup nose tackle. In 2020. And then yeah. 2021, he was gone. Right. But 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 the point is like he was two gapping when he was playing when he was playing nose. And then right. when he was playing nose of old, he was 320 and not a pass yeah. rusher yet. So we're we're seeing his pass rusher skill set in a four-man front where the spacing is better, where hurt hurt is making sure he's gaming the slide all day long so that Reed can just exploit those angles. And it's honestly really cool. And it's, it's like a, it's like a three technique playing nose tackle, what that looks like when you actually dedicate and feature the nose schematically. And it's honestly, it's, it's like what Kenny Clark was for the, for the, for the Packers when he was at his peak, like it's, mm. it's, it's like copy paste almost. Um, it's really cool. Uh, I mean, he's got seven sacks and he's still good against the run too. Um, better than he's been since, you know, probably 2020 also. I mean, definitely better than he was at the Chiefs and Packers. So it's really cool. Um, him, him and Williams are a great duo. And it's really unfortunate we can't see this, see this with Nwosu. Um Yeah, so that kind of brings us full circle, uh, the lack of Nwosu with how not only how he takes his shots and, and is so impressive against the pass protection, but it brings us back to the run defense. Um, Brandon asked earlier, can they kind of fix the the run defense? I don't know. I mean, that is a very good rushing team, as we've outlined. We're kind of repeating ourselves here. But, yeah, it's a bit troubling. I We need to look back again. But I'd, I'd, start, with, I'd start with getting everyone healthy outside of Nwosu. You know, at least I'd be interested how many pressures they did, like run-stuffing pressures. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I would get everyone healthy, play more cover three if you have to. Um, and then, like you said, maybe dial up the run pressures because it's not like Hurt doesn't have those on deck. He just, you know, like it's not like he doesn't have them installed. They probably just haven't practiced them and game plan with them. So they, they have tools, they have means to schematically, you know, within their core structure to like address it. doesn't mean it will work, but it's it's not like – it's not like there aren't available options to try first. Um, mm. It shouldn't have to be this bad without Nwosu, but it really does hammer home like how much how colossally important edge play is oh, um, yeah. in a four man front when you're especially when like everyone's one gapping. Like 
it's it's you're playing fast you have to win um mm. even if you're playing one high you know like it, it matters that's why when the seahawks had good run defense in the past they were playing with five big bodies on the, on the defensive line whether they were a four three or three four it was still five dudes it's or hard, it's or, hard to or six or six even <laughs> and and when they were playing with four one of them remember was 280 it was 280 pounds yeah and he was playing basically three gaps he was bashing the tight end head up but he could bounce he could play yeah. in the c and the d yeah right and like right now they're they've got mafia who's a good run defender but he's 255 and mm. daryl taylor who is not a good run defender who is also two and that's and that's where it comes full circle to do the front office actually know what the coaching staff want from their edge players or do they just tier three four and go mental and now you do need those guys to be able to drop in base we've had like nine snaps of base like really the frank clark pickup if you're if he's a situational guy who's a pass rusher, well, he's only going to play a nickel anyway. Why are we getting a backer type who we don't even trust to suit up in coverage anyway when he's so light? Get a heavier dude. Now, right. was that heavier dude out there? I don't know, but you know, Chase between Young, but... <laughs> for, for, for 2024's purposes, between Nwosu, Mafe, and Hall, they have mm. enough body types where if they need to play a bunch of base in a game they can just use rely on those guys they play otherwise they play so much nickel they're really not a 3-4 team in effect you you can that means you can then go scout any body type that can be an edge player it doesn't matter because you're not going to drop them so if there's a 280 guy to get back to getting a 280 dude or 270 guy can play on the edge don't they like yeah you you don't you don't call you don't you don't say i'm out of this guy because of personnel fit anyone Mm. fits if you run into where you need a specialized game plan where you have to play 25 snaps of 3-4, then, okay, maybe that guy just has a lighter load like, for that week. You know? They're running a really similar scheme to the, the Jets. There's there's elements of crossover with the 49ers. Look at their edge players. I said this from the jump. Look at their edge players. Nick they're not 270. Yeah, he's yeah. 270. And he plays to the three-tech. Like, um, yeah, right. Like they don't even task him with the bubble. Like Armstead plays a little bit of edge for them, you know. Yeah. Um, now he 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 he's super nimble. Like they don't grow on trees, but um, uh, they I mean they are trying a little bit with Draymond Jones, right? But he just doesn't quite have the open yeah, field mobility. Th- thank, I'm so glad you you raised that because like it works a little bit. A they but... they are trying. Like and even. I mean, I, did you catch it last week against the Eagles? They played. They straight up just played an under front. Um, nickel under front with Julian Love as the as down like Sam player to adjust to the Eagles pimple run towards the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like yep. they're trying, but we'll see if there is an adjustment like that in this game. But it's just that was encouraging to me. But and this game, I guess they clamped up a bit. But and then Jack, you ask, are we talking about the bare front? We're talking about under uh, back in the day, under front, and then like a reduced over front. But but so, it still applies for the bare front, the three four bare front as well. Like it's, the yeah. point is, it's five bodies. Like uh, the the way Pete Carroll transitioned to the bare front was basically just taking his pre pre existing structure and just kind of going even further with it. Really, like yeah. it wasn't a fundamental switch. It was just like more of what you were already doing, really. And that's why also like the transition went undetected by a, by some because it's really not that different. Yeah, and you, I, at times you squint on the broadcast. You're like, "Hang on, is that under or is is that the bear?" Um, right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, Griff, 
Uh, do you have any? Well, for, before that, I left this to the end on purpose, but I have seen uh, with how many people I have muted on the app called X. I'm shocked that I've seen it, but I've still seen it from people saying Drew Locke uh, would have been a better option than Gina Smith this game. Do you want to entertain that? Uh, because I, those people have been muted now, so I will never see them again. Yeah, but, well, I, you're, that's because you're scared to compete. I never mute. I never block unless unless. You just go like, off Twitter for for like an extended hiatus. That is a um, that that is a uh, perk of going off Twitter. It's like, oh, I realize I'm not exposing myself to some of those responses. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I like I like my back and forth. You know who you are out uh-huh. there. We, we, uh-huh. we have a good time. We have uh-huh. a good time. You gonna answer the question? <laughs> uh, my opinion of Drew Locke has actually never been higher. And I also think that he has no business being mentioned in the same breath as Geno Smith. Like oh. Geno is head and shoulders and then some a better at playing quarterback than, than Drew Locke. I would just for the sake of the exercise, I would be I would like to know just for the sake of knowing what 17 games of Drew Locke and a healthy O-line looks like with Pete Carroll. Run the simulation. And yeah, like that's that's what I want to see, just because like I, I'm not I'm not rooting against Drew Locke's career. Like I, I, I like the guy. I think we all like him as a person. He's a cool guy. He's a great backup quarterback to have. It would be cool if there's a way where you could just like put like, um, like ankle weights on his feet so that yeah. he can kind of be more stationary and stop hopping around so much and just try to yeah. be like Ryan Tannehill because. I mean, to that point, Griff, thank you. There. Yeah. If you could that's calm down and you box him into a scheme, he should but, execute at a high rate. He could. Which we kind of saw against the Eagles, even though they weren't pushing the ball down the field, like thinking Tannehill digs uh, that much. And then in that last drive, he yeah. kind I'll, of just I'll, showed I'll, his I'll talent. Say, I'll say this on that note. For Locke specifically, this is not a criticism of DK at all. For Locke himself, as it relates to holding his hand, you swap out DK for AJ Brown. And then I think you'd be a little closer mm. in that sense. With um, Gino, I don't care. I don't give me DK or AJ. I don't care for Gino or for Russ. For Locke, though, I'd rather have AJ. But on, on the on the boxing in comment, like uh, keeping him in the pocket, I, one of the things I saw was why isn't Gino like sensing the pressure in the pocket and and, and getting out of the pocket? Like guys, Gino is trying to wait. Out. He's clearly seen the price. Well, again, we need the tape, but. He's clearly seen the primary isn't there. He's progressing through his full field progression. That is preferable in terms of getting the ball down the field than running out of the pocket into danger. Okay, it, I mean, generally, it would just end in the Drew Lock throwaway. <laughs> Gino moves around the pocket, like that third and four play we talked about, like right. the third and 14 dig where he shuffles up within the uh, available pocket room. I mean, Charles Cross got kind of an interesting rush off the left edge there. Like... It, it's uh, just because it doesn't look like um, he's doing lots. Like he's not running around like a maniac. <laughs> he's just playing quarterback. Watch his feet in the pocket. It's oh. just it's results based analysis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's gonna have the occasional sack that's on him because he's not mm-hmm. perfect. But in in the aggregate, his sack rate is low relative to his pressure rate, extremely low, and that's all that matters. So yeah, he's Russell Wilson just ripped a dig and like passed a second window defender, and his receiver dropped it. That's, like, does that I understand that that that's going to set their offense back like years? Yeah, that's anyway. frustrating. And um, I noticed that his his average depth of target is one point eight two. 
Mm. Um, all I know is that whatever <laughs> Russ has left in him, Pete Carroll will be getting more out of it. I'll say that. And that's not. Yeah. I also I say that simultaneously thinking Sean Payton is a fantastic football mind and yeah. he's a really good coach, but I do think that Pete understands Russ more than Sean Payton does. Right. So Griff, um, well, chat, if you've got any closing questions for us, please do ask them. Um, Griff, I'm going to ask you for your closing thoughts and what, while you think of something to say, one cool stat that I should have mentioned at the start or, or when we're talking about wide receivers, Jackson Smith in Jigba's 59 catches for 602 receiving yards this year are the second most for a rookie in team history behind only the 67 of Joey Galloway in 1995. Smith in Jigba today passed DK Metcalf, who had been second with 58 in 2019. That's cool that that kind of stands out, even if it had been a 16-game season uh, like it used to be with when Joey Galloway made that record. And... I mean, with how he was banged up to start the year, uh, you know, he looked limited. That's really, really encouraging and impressive. And, I mean, that third and 14 catch, I could watch that so many times. It was absolutely yeah. glorious. But, Griff, thoughts awesome. on anything? It's, it's awesome. I mean, they've gone from – and I don't think it was on purpose necessarily. And, and both of these guys are more than just slots. But they went from Doug Baldwin to Tyler Lockett, now to Jackson – who are all like all in their own ways. But the word that like comes to mind is like marvelous. Like they just, their skills, for, their, their skills for what they are, are like incredible. And they all overlap a little bit, but then they all do things that the other guy can't do. Um, and it's just cool to see that lineage, you know, from, from one to the other. And it's cool seeing the similarities, but it's also cool seeing the differences. And I think we can already see how like Jackson's going to have a, hopefully a 10 year career here of lots of production and he's showing signs that he can get it done in so many different ways. So um, it, it's really cool. I mean, it's also cool that they have this much production out of a rookie receiver considering their history at receiver in general. And then also considering how many targets their third best target normally gets. So it's just cool that we're in a world now where like your third target can be a rookie and can still get however many targets he's getting you know, in a quote unquote Pete Carroll offense, which mm. is so often misunderstood and derided. It's like they're they're a high volume offense now. And, you know, you can bet on your third target to be a, a main piece of the offense. So it mm. dictate outcomes. So Yeah. Now, Griff, I know I I we didn't um see a Seahawks turnover this game. They look to win the turnover battle, but they also want to have more explosives than the opponent. And I think this is a good illustration as well of how they're on top in this area. Well, it's the only illustration, but they had uh, eight explosives in this game, whereas the Titans somehow only had three, which, I mean, if you can't push the ball down the field, that kind of speaks to that. But I'm surprised their run game must have been like 10-yard chunks because <laughs> uh surprised they didn't have more runs of 12 yards or more. Yeah, well, it's uh, um, it's really hard to score points when you. Oh, you could call it four. Score. Sorry, yeah. It's it's hard to score points when you don't give up any uh, explosive. It's hard to score points when you don't make any explosives on offense. So yeah, right. the dinking and dunking is really aggravating to watch, but it's just incredibly hard to sustain that. Um, it's like the inverse of this twenty twenty one defense, right? Like. Mm -hmm. 
they didn't give up a bunch of points, but their efficiency wasn't good in the aggregate because they get dinked and dunked to death. Uh, but, you know, they gave up zero explosives to defend the second level. Well, it's just hard to score points that way. And the Titans moved the ball, but they just couldn't finish finish it off. And I think the Seahawks helped themselves by being as good as they were on clamping down on explosives. Um, that helped, you know, mitigate the, the run defense problems, which I think were mm. mostly unavoidable for this game like we talked about. Um, on the on the flip side, you said how many explosives do they have? Let me just double check, but eight. I think it was eight. And they were they were the like the like the uh, well, I was, sorry, Griff, seven, but one via penalty. Oh, okay, and they were mostly like those like sixteen to thirty yard explosives, right? Uh, or or actually two via penalty, so it was six. But it wasn't like that huge, like touchdown throw, or like that huge, like fifty yarder, right? It was the the sixteen to thirty yarders, where it's like almost. Yeah, like, yeah. So um, Geno Smith twenty six yards to DK Walker twenty four yard run. Uh, Geno Smith twenty one yards. yards to D, uh, Tyler Lockett. Uh, Geno Smith uh, twenty yards to Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, Geno Smith uh, nineteen yards to Tyler Lockett. So yeah, that kind of <laughs> not deep. Not yeah. sure. Intermediate. Right. right. Um, yeah. And I, I, when we look at the point total, 20, 20 points, they really didn't have that many drives either because of the time of possession. So, again, if they had more drives, they probably put up more points. That's mm. why the efficiency was so good. That's why points per drive is a better measure. Their points per drive was pretty good. Um, but then now, now the flip side goes for the, the Titans on, on, on defense or for the Seahawks on defense against the Titans. But um, Yeah. Still, they outpaced them, so whatever. Uh, Griff, do you have any f- thoughts on the officials? I mean, I felt they the what DJ Dallas, um, because uh, we've had a few questions about that. So, thank you, chat, for the questions. A lot of these questions you've asked, though, we, we kind of have to wait for the tape or, um, you know, the injury stuff. You know, we'll find out from the team. We, we have no idea how bad the ankle injury is, um, yeah, but. Yeah, officiating the DJ Dallas. Uh, you know, he fair catches the guy, shoves him. Like he reacts. You you can't. They always get the guy who reacts. But if he flopped after that, then he might get a flag. Because you, but it's just like you know. But yeah. the I actually thought at first watching the Trey Brown defense pass interference, I thought that is absolutely wrong. Like th- th- he's not interfered with Hopkins there, but. He overstepped slightly with his leverage and he kind of slipped and he grabbed. I actually think that's a good call. If you watch it from the angle, especially the, the officials, uh, the, the sideline guide saw it, it looks like he's, it, I mean, it is interference. It is. Um, even though the ball's long, we know what Hopkins can do vertically. Frustrating play nonetheless. The Julian Love play was correct, so unnecessary. Like that drive for the Titans, their final scoring touchdown drive. If they'd stopped them there, it felt like they'd won the game, but they just could They got in their own way towards the end. Um, yeah. So that was annoying. Yeah. But yeah, Griff, I've kind of spoke about it officiating. What it's are your just, thoughts on it? And the, the extracurriculars are annoying, but like, I don't know. What, what do you say other than like, oh, I was sucked that Artie did that, sucked that DJ did that. I'm sure people talk to him, you know, like beyond that. Um, so yeah. you, you're tra- you're telling me that the NFL doesn't have a conspiracy theory uh, to keep the Seahawks out of the playoffs via officiating? 
You know, I was actually pretty cool with the refs this game because they there there was a penalty on DK. They did good on that. And then there was one where I think they gave them some extra yardage on one of their touchdown drives. You know, so my little my little pregame conversation with the referees wasn't for nothing. It wasn't in vain. <laughs> uh, Merry Christmas. Um, the the one thing I did have an issue with, um. The the hit from Quandre Diggs over the middle, oh, he's yeah. short and he's he's trying to hit with his shoulder. Like I know his his helmet as he's like striking with his shoulder, he's exploding upward from a low position, keeping his head up to so that he doesn't dip the crown. His helmet because he's exploding up into the receiver naturally does contact him. In the split second, he decides to go and make that hit. He cannot ever judge that the ball is not being caught. Yeah. Uh, he also is very difficult to see it from his position. So for them to throw a flag on that, it's because the helmet got involved. They just want it, and it hits the guy's lower kind of helmet. But the predominant contact was with the shoulder. They should, I think, you know, it should be like, it's, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be a penalty. You've got to reward the intent. Like, you, you, you've got to let that be a thing. Um, I know it's a fine line. I understand it, but it sucks. It sucks. Like letter of the law is probably the correct call, but it sucks. Like how are you supposed to play defense physically? I the I whole game is physical. It's stupid. Yeah. And you're going to get, you're going to get trash quarterbacks rewarded time and time again for that sort of stuff. And it makes yeah. me bloody angry. But that was yeah. the, I think, I think conversation want... with the ref didn't cover that. Yeah, no, unfortunately not. Um, it, yeah, that's frustrating, but like, I think they have to call it letter of the law, especially oh. because it's very frustrating though, man. I thought you liked good defense. I'd love good defense. Okay. Well, look okay. what they've done to sure? our, look what they've done okay. to our, what actually matters in the sport. So um, Griff, how, have you been uh, naughty or nice this year? Uh, it's been a mixed bag, Maddie. A mixed bag? Oh no. You know, so maybe gotta, you will get a mixed bag of uh, you know, coal and presents. You can do a lot with coal. Loads, like uh, burn it, um, draw with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you have you behaved yourself? I think so. I Good. but I should probably go to bed because otherwise, you know, oh, it's Christmas over there. Merry Christmas! Yeah, and you know, big dogs coming, so. Yeah, he's I'm still like, awake. Like, will this kid go to sleep? I got to give him some presents. Yeah. Okay. All right. Right. Chat. Thank you so much. Great. Uh, great attendance. Well done. Good job. Yeah. Thanks, um, guys. Thank you, everybody. I hope you all have a great Christmas when it comes. Spent with the people important to you. Hopefully, the Seahawks can keep on winning. We will be back. I will. I will be back Thursday with a tape review, see if Griff can make it. I'll join you. Hey, do you know what, chat? I'll do Wednesday as well. I'll do Wednesday the 27th of December at night. Jack, do I have kids? Jack asks, do I have kids? I do not have kids. Yet. Maybe. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. Maybe. Bye, chat. <laughs> right when we're talking about if you were naughty or nice, you say maybe in response to <laughs> if you sired any anyone. Merry Christmas.